www.cliffcentral.com Welcome to Future CEOs this Thursday afternoon. You're live here on Cliff Central. Um, and we are, of course, talking all things future CEOs. What does that mean if you can answer the question, I, I am a future CEO? I guess that's not really a question, but <laughs> if you answer the question that way, then this is the show for you. What does that mean? Um, again, it is, uh, well, if you are a young up-and-coming entrepreneur or perhaps an executive who's in their business and you want to occupy that CEO seat, that corner office, well, this is the show for you. Unfortunately, today we don't have the lovely Lubian Boyer in studio with us, but we do have a, another lovely face. Alana, welcome to Future CEOs. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone before we then get into our conversation? And, and maybe I'll just share a little bit more about what's coming up on the show. Oh, awesome. Thanks very much, Garrett. It's great to be here. So I'm Alana James. I'm the CEO of the Sunflower Fund. So we're an NGO. We work in the cancer sector. So we recruit um, stem cell donors for patients who have leukemia or other blood disorders. We also fundraise and all of um, do awareness talks, etc. So we're very involved in the sort of medical support space with what we do. And then I also hold two other board positions. I sit on the board of the Chamber of Commerce and Industry in Cape Town, and I'm the chair for Northlink, which is an FET college. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We, we certainly are privileged to, to have you here. So coming up on the show, the first half hour, we're going to be talking to Alana about her journey and also this new appointment that she has at the Sunflower Fund. And then the second half hour, Luby and I were privileged to sit with an, an, another CEO yesterday from iConnect. And so we'll be playing that recording at uh, half past and look forward to that. But we have Alana here in the studio. Let's uh, pick her brain. Alana, let's maybe start somewhere, which is uh, maybe you and your journey. Uh, where did this all start? So you're the CEO of the Sunflower Fund now, but there's certainly a lot more to you uh, and your journey. Tell us a little bit about it, please. Sure. So um, I think my journey for me really kicked off in high school. Um, part of, I don't know if they still have them now, but Interact Club. So doing a lot of community work and okay. being a support system in your community. So I think I've always had a love for doing stuff to uplift people, whatever mm. that may be. Um, and this is my first official post within an NGO. I've always worked in corporate before, but either I've always tried to engage with corporates, with NGOs, bringing that kind of up to speed. So I've had a very interesting career. Mm. I'm a strategist. Um, I do a lot of brand strategy, corporate culture, coaching, those sorts of things. So I think everything I've done, even in the different sectors, so working on some fairly large brands where I'm doing brand development, um, it all really culminates. I think all those experiences have ended up to when I do take my seat at the Sunflower Fund, it's really been such a great benefit. So I think for me, it's not about overlooking a, a skill or an activity that you've done that's not directly related to what you do. Um, so everything adds value to mm. the process. So it's for me, it's been a really, really great journey. And I think I've really ended where I want to be. Um, yeah. Let's talk quickly then about the Sunflower Fund because you're, you're new there. When you, you came in, there was a certain strategy, but I understand that you've been doing quite a lot of work behind the scenes to try and push them, um, push the message, push the objective um, into another another space. Just tell us mm. a little a little bit about that very quickly, please. Okay, so um, we've done, we really have seen some amazing changes since I've started and as much as I'd love to sit here and take all the great credit, 
I think any change or any strategy that you use when it's supported by the team that you're working with, that's when a strategy becomes successful. Mm. Um, so we have done some great changes. So you'll see there's a lot of change in the tone. We've taken a very positive tone. Um, it sounds a bit odd in the, in the sector where you're dealing with cancer, but mm. you know, instead of wanting to be part of our organization or giving to us because you pity what we put out in the media, that, it's that about guilt, that guilt sense. Yeah, that, that sort that of you may develop here. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, we want to move away from that completely, which we've done very successfully. And it's really about hope. So, um, just really quickly, we recruit stem cell donors. And basically, if you suffer from leukemia or blood disorder, your chances of finding a match for a transplant is one in a hundred thousand. Oh, wow. So obviously, the more we have on the database, the greater your chance of life. Sure. So if you become a donor, you are giving the hope of life to someone. So it's focusing on those positive things, focusing on greater impact, which is it is about the patient, but that patient is somebody's child or somebody's parent or somebody's aunt or somebody's friend or classmate. So it's about taking what we do and just creating a greater community feel of it and understanding. And I think our staff have taken that on dramatically. Mm. So you'll see there's been a change in our strapline. So our new strapline is hope begins with you. Very nice. And I think it's just about the fact that in our world at the moment, we need to have a positive tone. Mm. We need to really focus on what good you can do for another human being. So those have been some of the sort of strategic changes that we've done. You know, what's so interesting about what you're describing here is that often uh, businesses will try to do that um, from a, a brand or marketing perspective, but uh, perhaps it even it lacks a little bit of substance or you really have to try and convince someone of what you're doing. How have you felt as you have moved into a world where um, you really can connect very, very strongly and on a very deep and real level with what cause you are promoting and driving and, and the organization that you're working at? So, oh, I mean, that's just such a wide question for what we do. But I think, you know, the importance is if you can, could we call it emotional blackmail through marketing? Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> and yeah. and by, by the way, I think all marketing is some form of blackmail or... Or manipulation of sorts. Oh. Uh, I mean, these words are sometimes neg there's a negative connotation, but they actually aren't. They're, no, they're not all negative. Yeah. But you know, I think that if somebody does something because they feel guilted into doing it, mm. so through this marketing, it's a small impact. You'll you'll do the thing. You'll you'll give the hundred rand. You'll buy the pair of shoes, and you you won't buy another one. Well, if shoes, you'll probably buy a lot more. But, <laughs> um, you know, so when you can really connect with someone. When it's the importance of the difference that you're making and it's that positive impact, it's far more sustainable. It's a sustainable given. You can see most corporates are moving that way. It's about the added value. It's about the fact that we will be your supplier of choice or your consumer of choice. That's what we're trying to do. And, mm. and for, you know, what's great is I think we've become more responsible as humans and mm. we want to make a difference. So I think we, we seek out the things that isn't just doing for doing it's doing with a difference on a personal level how have you felt that transition so of course there were there were periods in your journey in your career where you were doing things for uh, really just for money right yeah and now it's it's very different just describe that transition that difference please it's not a transition it's a continuous roller coaster <laughs> okay okay so it, you know it's the fact that you've got to come to terms i think with the fact that money's needed 
you know, it's not about heart and soul and mm. love and passion because love and passion, heart and soul don't pay the bills. It can't help you do good. Sure. Um, yeah, you, you can know. have heart, but you need the lifeblood. Yeah, abs- and the money's lifeblood, right? Well, absolutely. So it's about the balance. It's about understanding that the things you've just got to do to get the money because it allows you to do the other stuff. And, um, in fact, I left one of my jobs because it was just about the money with no value, not mm. for anyone around. And I think that any person who wants to grow, um, you know, as a human in their business capacity, head up towards a CEO position, you get to the point where if you're not driven by something, and for some people that something is money. Sure. And for others, it's just not. Mm. So I think you need to be clear on what your drive is, and then that's what it needs to be. And I found my drive in people and impact. Um, so, yeah, so it, it is it is a constant thing that you've got to look at. I appreciate the fact that you were able to establish early on what what values you had, and you spoke about it being happening quite young, and then you've returned to that after a, a period of skills development, exposure to different perhaps industries and markets mm. and businesses. Let's uh, let's go back. So you're a young, up and coming, um, vibrant professional or executive. You make some mistakes, of course. Of course, you do. Mm-hmm. What was something that you uh, a lesson that you learned very early on because of one of these mistakes? And and don't just tell us about the lesson. Tell us the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so very early on, I was um, arranging international events. So I did my very first event in Mauritius. About 300 people, um, you know, did all the plans, great, um, engaged with the travel agency. I had all my boxes ticked. Great. So just so that you know, you're in for a double header here because this isn't one mistake. This is like two. Okay, <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. So um, two days before we need to fly, I phone the travel agent and I'm just double checking, you know, what's going to happen at the airport, making sure I'm, I'm sort of comfortable. Micromanaging. Micromanaging, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, because I'm not the skilled travel agent. You know, that's not sure, my skill. Sure. So let's, let's micromanage this process. Um, and to discover that, hang on, 10 of my VIPs are on waiting lists. It's okay. like, hold on. <laughs> what do you mean waiting list? So realizing their tickets hadn't been officially confirmed. It wasn't the right. So obviously huge chaos and drama for Mm. me. Um, And then the very second thing that happened is I arrive in Mauritius a week before everyone else busy setting up, et cetera. And I go a week before a week. Sounds sounds quite convenient. Well, (laughs) okay. So this was like a week before my flight. Uh, Yeah. So not before their flight. Um, So heading up, go through, check with the kitchen um, because we've got some kosher people arriving. So we need to make sure that, you know, everything was set. I'd blocked off a portion of the kitchen and I go there and well, that's not set up. Mm. So I go to the chef and I'm like, oh, I'm just curious, you know, where are we catering for our almost 40 kosher guests? Oh, yes, no, everywhere. No, but you can't. It's different. Well, what he said was, oh, no, but we halal, so kosher counts. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously arrangements need to be made. We fly kosher food in from Johannesburg. We set up. So all of it ended really well. Mm. But the two big lessons in all of that intense drama first trip it, it's crazy yeah but the one is you don't always have all the skill so i'm not a travel agent i never will be i don't ever want to be mm. but i need to engage mm. but the buck stops with you Very nice. so one of the big lessons for me as the ceo and in all my previous jobs is you don't have to be able to do everything 
But you need to understand what needs to be done. And, 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 you, and you do need to manage it as well. And you need to manage uh, and it. And not necessarily micromanage. I mean, it was a little yeah. bit of a, a, a ribbing, uh, perhaps. I, was I giving, saw your smile. I was, I was okay. <laughs> um, but, of course, there must be an element of managing the skills that you need others to bring to the table. Yeah. And also, I think I would have asked things like, what could, have, what could go wrong here? I didn't ask those questions to the travel agent back then. So mm. I was in a happy space. I'd handed it over. Somebody's skills going to do it. Nothing will go wrong. Mm. So I think nice. that was one of the great lessons for me, and I, and I still benefit from it. And then when we look at the kosher halal story, it's about understanding. So we'd been communicating for months. I'd mm. been for a site visit. I'd spoken to them face-to-face. And you can communicate, but it doesn't mean you understand. Yeah, yeah. So it's about always checking that because I think sometimes, especially as, you know, in the leadership role, you have a great idea or you think something and you go out and you sort of blurt it out to your team and what they end up doing and what you expected are different things because you haven't cleared up the understanding. And that's been a very important lesson for me. I, I once wrote an article called The Languages We Speak. I think that was the, the title. And, and at the core of that article was a, a report that had been done on a mining company that had given their uh, workers shares, but they didn't quite understand what that meant. And at one point, the share price dropped. And suddenly, it wasn't a hundred rand that they had, was that they were holding in their hands anymore. It was twenty rand, and pandemonium, chaos, and someone got fired. And it wasn't one of the people at the bottom of the of the organisation. So the language we speak is vital, and uh, yep. certainly assessing the the understanding that is going on. Thank yeah. you, thank you for those lessons. We really appreciate it. Let's fast forward then. You've been a consultant. You've been in various roles. What's the difference between those roles and being a CEO? Is there one thing that that stands out to you? No. Okay. <laughs> and and I sort of say that quite passionately because I think people look at the NGO sector as the sort of charity sector, the mm. sort of, you know, moms and pups in the corner, not really professional. There is absolutely no difference between running a business and running an NGO. An NGO is a business for good. Yep, exactly. So truly the only difference is your profits don't go to your directors like they would at a company and they go either back into projects or into the organization. That is literally the only difference. Mm. Okay, so we uh, there's no light bulb moment that you can say did happen. Well, do you know what? There is one difference actually, um, and I think it's not so much in the setup; mm. it's in the responsibility and okay. the accountability. I think that even though corporates do have accountability, and you know they they tick all their boxes, I think as an NGO, when you're working with other people's donations, when you're impacting lives. There's a lot more accountability that mm. I feel would need to take place. And there's a lot more transparency that's not just required, but it's an absolute imperative. What's, what's remarkable, um, and so future CEOs is registered as a non-profit, um, and, but we function, as you say, as a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way it works. Um, but this, uh, what's strange for me is that there is this added emphasis on transparency in the sector. Well, when, why, why are we not being transparent everywhere anyway? It's a, it's a very strange thing. But anyway, that's my little, my little aside. Um, we were speaking of air, and you, you were, you didn't say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. You're a future CEO's fan. You listen to our show. I, I do, I do. Well, we're very grateful. Thank you um, to you and all the other 10 people out there. <laughs> uh, no, it's not true. Well, I want to encourage more of your listeners to actually go back and listen to some of the old shows. Mm. Um, and I remember th- there was a specific show. That's a great lesson, if you don't mind me sharing quickly. Oh, please, please do. So if I'm not mistaken, it was sometime mid-year last year, um, I think, and it was somebody talking about 
Botox. Like that's all I can remember. Botox. They ran like a health clinic or okay. or something, and it was, and so I might hold the CEO position, but like Botox and all of that, it really does not turn me on in life. Sure. So it was one of those where I was like, oh, I don't really want to listen to the end of this. This isn't my interest. And um, what was really exciting is the. There was a couple, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep, I remember the, uh, the you, conversation. I just can't think of the organization. So they right were talking now. about expansion, how they just found themselves bigger. Yeah, they started in, a, in, in, their, in their home. home exactly. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yep. So they started in their home and suddenly they've got three offices and suddenly they've got more and suddenly they're doing this and suddenly they're expanding their offer. And, and so listening to it, I'm going, wow, how relevant is this for somebody preparing to grow a business mm. that wants more than one? Um, so I ended up listening to the whole show. And the, the great lesson for me in that is, you know, sometimes it's not about the topic. Sure. So, you know, it's not about Botox. Sure. It's and, about and, I mean, and we were, we would never have been speaking about <laughs> Botox outside of the context of, of, of business. I'm glad you're clarifying this for yeah. all of our, our no, listeners. Absolutely. But, you know, I think, what am I going to learn from a business that does Botox? I don't mm. think I can, but actually, I've learned a lot. Mm. And some of the, the lessons that they were talking about, um, when I was doing strategy helping businesses grow, I used some of those lessons Fantastic. As, as sort of like, hang on guys, you know, roadblock ahead. Think about this. Have you considered this? So it's just about don't think that learning only happens in a space that you know or are interested in. I mean, learning just happens everywhere. So yeah. No, oh, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing and thank you for, for listening. We appreciate that. Let's go back to the Sunflower Fund very quickly. They've appointed you for a reason. Why do you think that is? I mean, and, and don't, don't be too humble. <laughs> I'll try my best. Um, I think, you know, every, every organization, be it a corporate, be it an NGO, I think goes through a space of change. Mm. Change is difficult, regardless. Um, but I think that things need to be current. Things need to change. There's different strategies. You need a different point of view every now and then. And um, we were quite unique, not unique, I don't think, in the NGO space, but it was started um, by Tina Bursa um, with her son, Chris, who was diagnosed. And what an amazing job she's done. I mean, really fantastic if you look at the organization. But at the end of the day, she's a mum who did something that really for her was her life and soul. Mm. And it, she she brought in other support and she brought in assistance and and did all of those sorts of things and that is really fantastic and then you kind of need to say okay well what's the next level is it fair to expect somebody who started it from that point of view to want to change it to want to move forward so although the support is there and the changes are fantastic and it makes sense because our purpose is to help more. So I think we were looking for what could we do to reach more? Mm. How could we do things differently? And sometimes it does take somebody out of the fold to be able to bring that in. So I think they definitely were looking at that, some fresh, some strategy. Um, and, yeah, and I think also it was just timing for them as well. Um, you know, she'd opted to retire at that point after serving for a really long time running the organization. So it was a combination of timing, of needs, and of just really needing to push to make such a big difference. So what I, I, what I like from what I'm hearing you say is that there are certain phases in the development and growth of a business, mm. and this this business had matured in a, um, a founder phase, if we let, let's term it that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and they, so then they identified you as the right candidate, the right person to be able to implement a different kind of strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. I th uh, well, an added element to that or an added lesson is really that often I think we 
think of ourselves, and I'm now talking to the future CEOs out there, and we, we think we're going to be a CEO of a business for 20 years. And that, uh, that's not really appropriate, is it? No. What are your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. So I think, you know, different styles do different things for an organization. So there's a time when an organization needs a change or energy or drive. Then there's a time where it only needs marketing or only needs sales or yeah. only needs PR. Um, and then you need a leader that's strong in those skills. Um, but the importance of not losing the one phase to take on the next. Or at least maybe potentially not losing the core identity yeah. of the business. So um, if I may, Gareth, we we run a campaign every September, and I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen them. It's Bandana Day. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. so you'll see them in the pick-and-pay stores, and that's great. It's a, it's a huge fundraiser for us. So this year, we've actually changed that. Okay. Um, and we've, we've sort of done some soft launches, and it's going to be launched really kind of big when it comes to the beginning of August when the products hit store. Mm. But it's now called Sunflower Day. Okay. Okay. Which, which is totally appropriate, of course. Absolutely. But also reminding you that it's about not about a product. It's about the cause. And as fantastic as Bandana Day had been, and it had happened for 12 years, mm. so it's not that it had a flash in the pan. It was great. We've changed the product. It's now a tube of hope. It's a taupe. Um, I, yeah. I, I need to see it. <laughs> I shall bring you one. Thank you. Thank but, you. you know, we've changed it. Why? To be relevant. But more importantly, it's about the new awareness campaign that happens to mm. it. So we've taken something that started in the founder phase, as you called it. Sure. And we've said, well, something needs to happen. How do we but evolve it's not, it? Yeah, it's not about scraping it, which is a lot of where I think some new CEOs go wrong. Mm. They kind of go, I'm new. I'm coming in. Stamp, stamp my authority All on done. Business. Let's start. But it's about taking the core values and the great successes and how do you build it and make it better. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I, I really like it. But what's the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Okay, so I've actually received a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, I think my first one was my very first temp job. I was a receptionist. Okay. My very first, I was still at Varsity doing this part-time. It was great. And one of the directors walked in and asked, oh, who are you? And I said, I'm the receptionist. And he goes, surely that's not who you are. Is mm. that not? So, you know, we then built up a really, in fact, he's my mentor. He heads up um, the sports center in Pretoria. Okay, very HBCSA. Nice. So really great guy. But one of the big lessons he taught me is your title is a title, but who are you as a person? Your title doesn't define what you can and can't do in an organization in your life. So, nice. you know, if you marketing, it doesn't mean marketing is the only thing you can do. You can impact greatly. And what's, yeah. so, what's so nice about what he shared and also the fact that you were able to start in a position of a receptionist is that so many really, really good CEOs have um, had time in different areas of their business. Um, maybe not always starting as a receptionist, um, but but their identity is built um, or their ability to lead certainly the organization is built out of uh, this, this understanding of what sometimes can be very a complex structure. I think... The- Garrett, the other thing I've learned in that space is that sometimes what you do defines what you can do for yourself. Mm. So, yes, my first official job was a receptionist, but I was a bar lady for about two years before that while at Varsity. And, you know, doing that, I loved it. Great tips. I think I earned more than I did as a receptionist. But the reality is the people that I wanted to engage with didn't take me seriously. Mm. Um, And I think that you know, as you aspire to become a CEO, you need to be aware of it. It shouldn't determine who you are, and it really doesn't. But it, you really need to say, how do I want people to see me? Mm. Where do I want to be? And there are things that will still move you forward, but in the wrong direction. 
We are running out of time. We've got about a minute and a half left here on the clock. Very, very quickly, um, you're giving me thumbs up and showing me something. Go for it. I'd love to. So um, I got given. I mean, this is that old. You can can you can see they can't see, but sure. Right. So it's a good we'll, we'll fifteen take a picture years of it old. And put it onto the on, onto Twitter. Oh, I'd love to do that. So this is a quote um, from Shaw that literally stays with me every day, and I find as a CEO, it's the best piece of advice I can give anyone. Fantastic. Okay, so it's the people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, they make them. Very nice. Uh, can you repeat it one more time, please? Uh, it really is very good. So the people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, they make them. Alana James, the CEO of the Sunflower Fund, thank you very much for joining us in studio um, here at Cliff Central. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. After the break, we are going to be talking to the CEO of iConnect. It was a conversation we had yesterday. Um, and so you will hear Luby's voice. We'll be back right after this. This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.